Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell, and in this episode of Chick Flicks, we're talking about the movies Drop Dead Gorgeous and Death Becomes Her. But first, let's catch up. So, what are you into? What are you into? Should I go first? This sure, time? why not? Um, I'm into the YouTube video, Max Falling Out of Kayak, or something along those lines. I suggest everyone Google it. Can you describe um, it more? What, what, what this video is about? <laughs> it's a short film <laughs> that depicts a young man in a sinking kayak and him crying out for help mm-hmm. to his friend Sarah, who is filming. And a female director. Him. Yes. Oh, women in film. Women in film. It's very funny. I forget how I saw that video, but his misery is hilarious. It reminds me, he reminds me of my brother so much. He does sound like your brother a little bit. And he, just like my brother would do that. Like, the, just the energy is the same. So, <sighs> Yeah, that's so good. What else? Um, so I just watched a new Korean drama on Netflix called One Spring Night. And it has my fave Korean actor, Jung Hyun. Was he in? Um, um... Yeah. Yeah. He was in Something in the Rain. Oh, okay. Which is a drama that I watched last year and it totally wrecked me. It was like, it was amazing, but also so sad. But in this one, it's like also intense, but not as intense. So it was good. Mm. The, it didn't go as high or low as something in the rain but it was overall steadier leaning towards happier so Mm -hmm. all i'm thinking is i want to know are you something in the rain is that what is that (laughs) what is that that song have you ever seen the rain i think it's by credence clearwater oh i don't know sorry go on (laughs) um but it's really good it's about a uh it's a love story about a woman who falls in love with a man but she's already dating a guy Uh and the man that she falls in love with that she isn't dating has a son and about the drama that unfolds and it's so cute large son small son Adult like son? a five, like okay. a five-year-old. I, for some seven, reason, seven? I like a son, like an adult. No, no, they're young. They're like thirty. Oh, like, okay, yeah. Okay. Um, but it's so good. I love how like there are so many shots of them just like looking at their phones. I don't know. It's like a very slow, realistic, I guess. <laughs> and it's very, it's like a very slow like show, but it's very relaxing also because you're just like chilling. I love it. Yeah. With them. Anyway. Um, and I also watched Dark Season 2, and I loved it. Shit, I have to get back into Dark. I watched the first two episodes, and yes, it's honestly because I'm an ugly American. Tried to watch the dub, but the dub was so bad, and then, like, could not watch Oof. subtitles after work because my brain oh my is gosh. dead. I, um, so the first season, like, it really is hard to watch because it is a workout, be just not because of the subtitles, but just mm. because, like, you're like, what the fuck is going on? Because it's about time travel. Yeah. And it's, like, the best time travel, to pick, to like, concept I've ever seen, I guess. Um, but it's, like, very hard to keep track of all the different timelines. And it, it doesn't, like, hold your hand through any of it, really. It's very... You have to think really hard. Mm. <laughs> like... When we were watching it, we, I watched it with Ian. We would like watch Dark, and then we would turn on like a different show after it, and we would be like, "Oh, we don't uh, have understand to think. this. Yeah. No, we don't have to think that hard." Like oh, yeah. once we're watching regular TV. Anyway, Dark season two, it's still really good. They do a dystopian future in a way that is like surprisingly good at the end of season one they like hinted at a dystopian future and we were like oh god that's gonna be horrible but they actually pulled it off and then at the end of this one there's like an even weirder bigger twist and we're like what the fuck and we feel the same way we're like how are they gonna pull this off are they gonna have a third season yeah i think so they must because like germans are weird man yeah it's really good though highly recommend nice um i saw the farewell last week how was it with my friend Patricia from work. It was really good. Um, it was So Farewell by Lulu, uh, Lulu Wong, her first feature film about based on a true lies, the 
tagline of the movie um, about her grandmother in China who's diagnosed with um, terminal cancer and the family makes a decision not to tell her that she's dying of cancer. It was really good, um, but it was it was one of those things where going into it, I was like, oh boy, am I going to cry? And I mm-hmm. cry at literally everything. I'll cry at like a two-second car commercial. <laughs> uh, but this, I think I was just like too like locked in thinking about it to mm-hmm. cry. But it was really, really good. A really great debut movie. I think Aquafina should win her like awards. Um, she wow. was amazing in it. She was cool. really, really good. It was very funny too. Um, I'm actually, this is so hard to say without it being a brag, but I've been reading so much this year. <laughs> um, I have. Well, typical uh, I'm Gemini. Like, I'm even ahead of my Goodreads count for the year wow. by two books. Yes. Oh my God. Um, I'm currently reading this book called The Idiot, which came out, I think, two years ago, but not The Russian Idiot. The <laughs> New Idiot by Alif Baduman. Uh, it's really, really good. It's supposed to make the comparison to the, the older Russian book by Dostoevsky. Um, it's about, it's like auto-fictional um, about uh, this character's first year at Harvard um, in 1995. And I really like it because I really enjoy reading literature that's like reading someone else's diary where mm-hmm. it's like really plainly written and just like mm-hmm. details about their life. Like the narrator I basically, wow. I love it so much. I the narrator is just that. like, today I woke up and I did this and then I hung out with this friend and she's really funny though. And so mm-hmm. it's like interesting and compelling to read. And then gradually it's a 500 page book. Uh, yes. Another brag. I am capable <laughs> of reading 500 pages. Uh, but like it slowly emerges that it's this um, she has this love interest who's this older boy on campus and he is like such a black hole uh, of a love interest. He's so recognizable to me and like the first type of boy that all girls fall in love with where he's like kind of a dick to her. He has a girlfriend but like he writes to her all the time and he's so pretentious and like doesn't Ugh. get what's the problem with like saying all this shit to her and then having a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. It's really, really good. I'm enjoying it. I'm only halfway through it. And then I'm oh also God. reading... A book called Autobiography of a Face by Lucy Greeley, who um, is this brilliant writer who at the, had childhood cancer, uh, which resulted in her losing her chin, like her bottom jaw. Wow. Um, so she has no jaw mm-hmm. or she had no jaw. And it's about basically like growing up looking um, so different from everyone else and how much mm-hmm. emphasis is placed on beauty for women and what mm. it would be like to grow up kind of like not even being part of that conversation. Uh, sadly, she died of an overdose when she was 40 and this is her wow. only book, um, but it's wow. really, really good. Yeah. Anyway. Dang. Enough. Good tie-in to uh, the movies that were Right. About. A darker tie-in to these movies. <laughs> <laughs> the first movie we're talking about is Drop Dead Gorgeous from 1999. In Drop Dead Gorgeous, the residents of Mont Rose, Minnesota, live and die for the annual Sarah Rose Cosmetics Mount Rose American Teen Princess Pageant. Nice. <laughs> a, <laughs> a documentary crew follows the efforts of contestants determined to win the crown. The primary contenders are Amber Atkins, a sweet girl from the trailer park who works part-time as a funeral home beautician, and Rebecca Lehman a beauty pageant legacy and daughter to the richest man in town. As contestants are mysteriously killed or threatened, it becomes clear that beauty pageants can get ugly. Okay, so this is like our first chick flicks division. Uh, (laughs) I watched this movie for the first time and I loved it. Like I thought it was so funny and so charming. And you did not like it, right? I like kind of hated it a little bit. I like, okay, I didn't like I get, okay. How fitting for a movie about female competition <laughs> that we should just totally disagree. So I, a lot of the, tell me your thoughts. <laughs> tell me what you hated. I feel like, well, okay. I, it was too mean. <laughs> it was too mean. That's why I didn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> That's okay. So I, I mean, it is a very mean movie. It's very dark. I would say the one joke that never really landed for me was the one judge supposed to be um, like a mentally challenged person and it was played for laughs. That was one that for me that did not age well, probably was not okay when it came out. Um, yeah. But other than that, I was I was very much so here for all of the... Well, okay, yeah, that part was horrible, and I think that, like, definitely tinged my view of the rest of the movie a little mm-hmm. bit, that whole thing of the, the, the one judge. Yeah. 
Um, but I also like the documentary crew. It's a mockumentary, first of all. Mm-hmm. So uh, the documentary like crew was like sort of condescending toward the girls. I felt like, mm. which also set me on edge a little bit. That's okay. I I could see that for sure. I thought that this movie, the cast was so great and like so charming. Yeah, it I agree. Made, it made me think by watching this is like Kristen Dunst in the '90s. How she's such an amazing comedic actress. Like I think a really underrated comedic mm-hmm. actress. She does this and she's so funny and she has many funny moments in Bring It On. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also hilarious in I think Fargo season two. I don't know if you've watched mm-hmm. that, but I haven't. She plays no. a similar character, like mm-hmm. a pretty similar, like what this girl would be like as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really like her as an actress. I really enjoy watching her. I like uh, that, like, Amy Adams in it. Yeah, her uh, first Brittany role. Murphy. I wish I could watch a movie with all these actors that, like, was nicer. <laughs> I mean, I think even though the, a lot of the jokes were really biting and built on stereotypes, uh, I thought this movie had, a, like, a lot of heart in a weird way, too. So it's about um, the protagonist is uh, Amber Atkins, played by Kristen Dunst, who just wants to get out of her small town and become uh, Diane Sawyer, the next mm-hmm. Diane Sawyer. And the only avenue she sees to do that is the Sarah Rose Cosmetics Mount Rose American Teen <laughs> Princess Pageant. Uh, and she's, you know, she's this really sweet girl. She lives with her mom. Um, and she's just like kind of perp- foiled by this family, the Lehman family that are determined to make her, their daughter, Rebecca win. Uh, but you know, like what I thought was really sweet, like the scene where all of the other contestants are backstage with Amber, like mm-hmm. just being sweet and talking with her mm-hmm. after the, the pageant. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved that. I thought that was I, really yeah, sweet. Yeah. I really loved that too. But at the same time, I also sort of kept, I, I kept thinking like the shoe would drop and that Amber would be shown to have some sort mm. of like badness to her i guess sure. i don't know i felt like for sure uh <laughs> you're certainly not alone in not liking this movie it was both a critical and commercial failure when it came out in the late 90s um every a lot of people hated it a lot of pretty respected critics hate it and it's kind of like with a cult movie or a movie that finds cult success it's always like well at least the critics liked it but like not even that like people just hated it and maybe because of that it was really hard to get a hold of for the past uh 20 years um it wasn't it was like barely available on vhs or dvd and it was just put on streaming on hulu so this was my first time watching it and, and your first time too yeah um but i think that the movie has uh, a lot of aspects that would like kind of make it similar to like a John Waters movie, or you could see a lot of like Christopher Guest's improv movies, like um, Best in Show or Waiting for Guffman, a little like less refined than those, but the heritage is there. Um, I was surprised. I didn't realize it was a documentary. I thought it was just a movie about pageant queens. Mm. Yeah. I didn't realize that either. I was surprised. I was very surprised. Yeah. Uh, and, like, it's not the most inventive use with the documentary crew, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the one laugh I got was uh, whenever they're around, like, people in the town are like, oh, are you guys shooting cops? Because they're familiar <laughs> with the cops TV show. And then at the end of the film, they, like, run into the cops crew. Yeah. Come on. That is funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I liked, I did, like, like, like you said, like, all the girls being friends with Amber and supporting her and I liked also the relationship that Amber had with her mom and their neighbor played by Allison Janney I love Allison Janney and like anything so yeah so this movie was written by Lana Williams directed by a man named Michael Patrick John um and this was Lana's first script that she wrote she was uh in her early 30s she was from Minnesota a small town called Rosemont mount and she did pageants when she was a young woman uh so this is like kind of about her experiences obviously like a a satirical version um but we read this article for the 15th anniversary that was on buzzfeed by lewis patesman um about the making of the film and i thought there was a lot of interesting behind the scenes dynamics going on Mm -hmm. uh between lana williams and the director michael patrick john uh jan i guess uh 
She she said that she found him to be a bit of an asshole. That's a quote. I remember going out in the rain, crying, going to my rental car, having a full body cry because I felt like, oh my God, this could get away and not turn out the way I see it. There were a couple of things like that and I pulled myself together. I really didn't favor him. Uh, and so it is sad to think, though, that she, this was like her first screen uh play that got produced and that she like felt that she didn't have control over it or that it wasn't like particularly her vision and i feel i think her and jan both mm-hmm. stopped making movies sort of after this there yeah. because the criticism was so horrible which is very sad also it is very sad because you know she was a if she was a man she would have gotten like eight more chances after this right. um and i think like people I certainly think, I mean, it, you could say the movie is mean, but, like, the script is, like, well-written. You know, it's, like, the jokes, the one-liners are there. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I guess it does feel like, I mean, it is, like, her story, which is cool, but I guess, to me, it seems like a person that just, like, has a grudge against, like, their high school bully and then just carries that through... The, like with them for the rest of their life and like, like consumes them i was just i don't know does well, that make sense like no, it's like no like someone guess, who won't let go of high school yeah sure well i think it's interesting you say that because this both movies we're talking about today have really found a place in the hearts of queer audiences and have kind of mm-hmm. become like these iconic movies uh and cult movies and they're both kind of about like difficult women or women struggling to maintain like this facade um this is from jesus loves winners satirizing the american scam and dropped out gorgeous by emily colucci she references this book that i wasn't able to read but i thought this was an interesting um inclusion on her part for it's called the queer art of failure by jack halberstam and he analyzes the cathartic failure of little miss sunshine's olive and her raunchy dance routine which sticks it to those little John Bonet's and electrifies her loser family, allowing them to embrace failure as a subversive act. As Halberstam writes, Olive is destined to fail and fails spectacularly. But while her failure could be the source of misery and humiliation, and while it does indeed deliver precisely this, it also leads to a kind of ecstatic exposure of the contradictions of a society obsessed with meaningless competition. By implication, it also reveals the precarious models of success by which American families live and die. And I think that's like an interesting thesis for Dropped in Gorgeous as well, um, mm-hmm. about this small, you know, poor town um, being obsessed with this beauty pageant that has so much, like, darkness lurking underneath and how, you know, even when Amber wins, she kind of, like, wins by default and she's sad about that and Alice and Janney is like, like, just get over it, you know, like, you're, you don't, it doesn't matter how you won, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's about America. Yeah. I, and I, yeah. I mean, th- I, it's funny that Little Miss Sunshine is like mentioned in this because I think that that movie is like full of heart (laughs) and it's so kind to the people that are in it that are like failing like it said and Mm -hmm. I think that like or something else that I thought of when I was watching this just because it's like a famous example of like the mockumentary style was like The Office like everyone in the office is a horrible person like even jim and pam are like not the great they're like not Mm -hmm. good people really um but you like care about all of them even michael (laughs) who is like probably the worst person on that show but Mm -hmm. you still like care about him and i think that in drop dead gorgeous i just felt sort of like ever like everyone was just being made fun of without the the warmth of that it needed to like balance it out I guess Mm -hmm. and the thing is like I guess if we're comparing it to something like death becomes her where you're like or like any villainous sort of woman I guess they're women but these are girls I guess and so I was just very felt very like protective of them I don't know Mm-hmm. But I guess, I mean, like, the girls, for the most part, are all good, you know? Like, it's really just Rebecca who's, like, the, the bitchy, conniving yeah, but one. I, and I thought they were good, but I thought that they were still being made fun of. But, and I was like, they by don't the deserve to be made fun of. Mm. By the filmmakers, especially as you're in the, like, seeing it from the mockumentary, documentary mm. crew makers who 
sound condescending when they're talking to them, which I really mm-hmm. resented, I guess. Yeah, that's that. That's a good point. That's a good point. That uh, it could have been funny and ruthless, but still have taken the side of the 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 characters in it. Yeah. I mean, that being said, <laughs> there were so many lines that I loved. I loved when yeah. Kirsten Dunst was yelling at that one pageant lady, and she was like cursing, and she was like. Uh, that's not very like American teen princess of you. <laughs> and she was like, this is Nazi Germany. Uh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. I also love when Kristen Dunst is tap dancing, putting on makeup on a corpse. Yeah. And when Rebecca Lehman dances with Jesus, which a lot of people on IMDb who are Christians were very angry about the dancing with Jesus scene. Like, and I don't want anyone to, I don't know. I, I feel like, when I'm like coming out against this movie, people are going to be like thinking it's because I can't, I don't know. I like satire too. It's just like not, I just want it to be like, like I said, like a little bit kinder, mm-hmm. <laughs> which That's is okay. like an- the antithesis. I feel like to that, but um, mm-hmm. I liked this Gia Tolentino quote from her recent write up on the movie. She said, but what Drop Dead Gorgeous understands so well is that being a teenage girl is in fact deranged and dehumanizing and frequently unsubtle. It certainly felt that way at the turn of the 21st century when visible G strings and virginity pledges were in vogue simultaneously and young female pop stars were flagrantly doing exactly what was expected of contestants in a teen beauty pageant, performing desirability while projecting naivete. And, um, I don't know if the movie does. Ex- I don't know if the movie reflects exactly that last part, performing desir- desirability while projecting naivete. Because I almost feel like the pageant contestants are not like super sexualized. It's almost just ridiculous. It's like a ludicrous pageant, like a literal pageant. You know, like nothing they do is like very sexual. You know, it's just like they're almost like li- almost like little children, uh, more so than like adult women. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the. I, I had, like, a big problem with, like, the Amy Adams character because I felt oh, yeah. like... So Amy Adams plays this girl who um, is... I mean, obviously, Amy Adams is, like, gorgeous. Everyone knows what mm-hmm. she looks like. Um, but she is this really pretty girl who's kind of, like, ditzy, I guess, mm-hmm. or portrayed as ditzy. And she has a boyfriend and she's just like constantly making out with her boyfriend and blah 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 and then it's like revealed that she's probably that she's like pregnant and just like the entire time it just I was just I like loved her so much but I just felt like it was making fun of her for being like I Mm -hmm. I just I wanted to protect her so bad like the most out of anyone in the movie and people were just like that like the movie was just using her as a joke and not having any affection towards her at all Mm -hmm. and i was like this that that bothered me the most i feel like Mm -hmm. i could see that but Mm -hmm. i think like in terms of gia's quote about like how fucked up it is to be a teenage girl yeah it is like and i love that and i want it to be shown and I do think that the movie did that really well but mm-hmm. it just lacked that further step of taking it and being like this being a teenage girl is like super fucked up and then like so this is what comes out of that I guess mm-hmm. it was just like it's fucked up and so, I'm not and trying to like fun of it too speculative mm-hmm. but like from what we do know is that like Lana Williams vision like got away from her and like a mm-hmm. group of men came in to kind of like yeah tell her how to make the movie mm-hmm. and there's like one kind of terrible anecdote where she like wrote a part for herself to be a candy striper and the producer was like you're too old to be this part mm-hmm. uh and so then she got to be like a glorified extra basically yeah. she plays the silent judge mm-hmm. um so and she apparently hadn't watched the movie in 15 years when she watched it for the anniversary so she hadn't watched it since she saw it come out mm-hmm. um which makes me think that it's just not something um, that she had intended. And right. so you wonder about this movie being made with more, like exactly like you're saying, like a little more infection or insight into like what it's like to be a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I or agree like, with you. I mean, like this clearly was made like a, like a bunch of men's idea of like what these girls are like. Right. Or, or like show like 
just have like a few more moments of where it's like the girls are like crying together and like helping each other out like i mm-hmm. love those moments you loved those moments it's mm-hmm. like let's just get some more of that in there and then yeah and it's surprising because this producer from dropped it gorgeous went on to inspire amy sherman paladino to make <laughs> Gilmore Girls, because he mm-hmm. was like, F- women have some crazy relationships, mother-daughter stuff. Uh, so obviously, there's like something there. And I was surprised reading that because I didn't think Amber's relationship with her mom was that notable or mm-hmm. profound, you know? I thought, yeah, I feel like it was like an inkling of it, but it could have, it, it almost just like had potential to be more, I suppose. And I think that the arc of it was just, like, not really... It didn't make sense, really, because the first mm-hmm. time you see her with her mom, her mom's being, like, a complete dick to her, and then, like, mm. a, a traumatic event happens or, like, something, and then it's, like, a flip... A switch is flipped. I don't know. It just, like, didn't... Like, was it was it making you laugh, or were you the whole time, like, this is too mean? Like, did any jokes, like, land for you, or was it just that the jokes themselves were, like, crass or... Um... I mean, kind of the whole time I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like this. But like a few moments I did like laugh at, like you said, like the, this is Nazi Germany line, like was Mm -hmm. funny. Um, uh, What else? (laughs) I can't, I don't know. Like no, no lines like stuck in my head really, I guess. Mm-hmm. I liked when Brittany Murphy was like, he's gay. I, about I her hated brother. that. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was so campy. Like, I get what you're saying, but I think it's just, it leans so far into being kind of like campy and satirical and mm-hmm. uh, like deranged that it worked for me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, do you want to do the one star reviews? Sure. So uh, I'll start with the first one. This film pokes fun at Midwesterners, women, Christians, and more in the most unobtuse, unimaginative, witless ways. The so-called movie is not entertainment. It is a vehicle used to offend Christians and their religious beliefs. It is a very rude and offensive assault on Christianity, morals, and family values with its language and content. This so-called movie crosses well over the line. And that one was written by Mackenzie. (laughs) No! I'm just kidding. Wow, I just spiked the audio so much. (laughs) Do Do you want to read the last one? Yeah, sure. There is not one surprise in this movie. It is one of the worst movies I have ever seen. There are some pretty girls in the movie, but it is not enough. It is not even close. That one was written by Mackenzie. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, some pretty girls, but <laughs> just kidding. Uh, well, that's the that's thing. So- like, I don't want people to think I like can't take a joke, but I also can't take a joke. So <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I will not be teased. <laughs> Oh, man, I I would love to see I would love for Lana Williams to make another movie to see if that like I think her writing was so sharp, you know, if it wasn't the way she wanted it to turn out, she should be given another chance. Yeah, no, I agree. I saw that she had made some movie called like the Boy Scouts World or something. She huh. was like one of like eight writers on it. And it was Ooh. apparently also a, like a huge failure. That was in 2015. So eight like, writers. Oh, yeah. God. I was like, oh, I know. <laughs> not, I know. Not great. Well, Mackenzie, I'm going to give this movie a six because I liked it a lot. Would watch again. Uh, it was, a, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I could, I, it got Tim into it too. Like he was watching it. That makes Tim sound like he's like a caveman who doesn't watch other movies. Uh, <laughs> able to get my boyfriend to watch this with me because <laughs> of all the crass humor just <laughs> um i'm gonna give you? it like a it's okay four An eight four a four okay <laughs> look it's good for us to disagree yeah i mean <sighs> that's okay i mean any movie where a girl does a weird slow dance with jesus on the cross is just hitting some buttons for me that i didn't know were there (laughs) all right on to the next movie in death becomes her frenemies helen sharp and madeline ashton know that the best revenge is served hot 
Helen is a shy, struggling writer when her longtime nemesis, the actress Madeline Ashton, steals her fiancé from her. Helen is probably better off without Ernest, a nevish plastic surgeon, but she falls into a depression and ends up in jail. She reemerges many years later, mysteriously looking more beautiful and youthful than ever. Insane with jealousy, Madeline seeks the help of a strange woman named Liesel von Roman, who promises her beauty and immortality. Madeline and Helen soon realize that their rejuvenated beauty comes at a cost. Their bodies can die and decay, but they must live on. Uh, and this movie is from 1992, and today is its 27th anniversary, which is awesome <laughs> that we timed it like that, totally without a clue. Yeah. <laughs> I thought when you were like, it was from 1992, I was like, I thought you were going to say that was the year I was born. I just want to mention oh. my birthday in every episode. <laughs> Holy shit. Are you turning 27 in November? Yeah. God. God. I need a potion to prevent me from... Uh, you know, this movie honestly kind of gave me anxiety. Like, I didn't enjoy it because I, I didn't actually like really. I don't know. I I'm gonna flip the script on this one, Mackenzie. Okay. Because <laughs> I, mean, I, was... I also didn't love this movie okay. to be honest, but I enjoyed it more than Trapped Head Gorgeous. <laughs> I was like, I think it was built around some fun special effects, and it has two great actresses, and mm-hmm. that was it. You know, it was just like, how far can we get on this premise? That's pretty mm-hmm. basic. We're mm-hmm. going to do a few gags with it. They have great physical comedy in mm-hmm. this. Meryl and Goldie Hawn, who play Madeline and Helen. But mm-hmm. other than that, I was just kind of bored with it. I don't know. I um, I thought, like, all the sets and everything were, like, so wacky that it, like, kept me entertained. Beautiful for, gowns. Like, I definitely laughed out loud a couple times. <laughs> Unlike... With Dropdick Riches, where I was just like mad, but um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't like this movie, wasn't like that good. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about a man, Robert Zemeckis. Mm-hmm. I've never said his name out loud before. <laughs> Robert Zemeckis, uh, <laughs> making a movie about like women's supposed insecurities, and it's kind of funny that Meryl Streep starred in this because she's often cited as like the best example of like quote unquote aging gracefully mm-hmm. or like not getting a lot of plastic surgery done to her face. And she looks, you know, like a woman in her seventies now because mm-hmm. she's a woman who's like in her early seventies. I'm um, sure she gets stuff done though. I'm sure. I, yeah. Literally you're probably everyone right. does. It's, it's just like more subtle, you know, yeah. um, than like say not to call out a woman like this, but Nicole Kidman, whose face is like been fucking, I don't know. Propped really? Up. I have, I don't, I don't know. <gasps> oh my God. Yes. She, does not look right all the time <laughs> it's hard though it's hard it's hard it, either way you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't yeah um this movie kind of like riled up some stuff with me because i was like i don't know it just made it just made like the joke was that these women are like incredibly vain and there is like a pretty like extended fat joke yeah where i hated that i hated Ugh. it goldie hans character after bruce willis leaves her for meryl streep fall like falls into a depression and becomes like very fat and like lives at home with her cats and it was just like the most basic joke you could do Mm -hmm. um it wasn't even it wasn't funny it was just like it wasn't at all funny and especially for a movie about aging too like it just seems ridiculous i don't know it just wasn't it just wasn't funny. I don't know. Fat jokes will never be funny. Yeah. I agree. And uh, and you could see, like, in 1992, people being like, oh, my God, Goldie Hawn in a fat suit. I'm dying. You know? Uh, but not today. <laughs> it's been a whole Mackenzie Chapman lifeline, lifetime. <laughs> but we're finally... <laughs> growing up with those kind of jokes um the special effects were pretty good mm-hmm. they were sure. funny they were like it was i mean you could tell that the guy who made like who framed roger rabbit made this because a lot of the special effects like seemed cartoonish like yeah. or that were like goldie Hawn gets shot in the stomach and just has like a circle through going through her that it's like straight out of looney tunes and like meryl streep gets like hit in the head with mm-hmm. a shovel and her neck twists all the way around it's like straight up out of like i said like a cartoon and like yeah goldie Hawn's character is literally dressing like jessica rabbit etc 
Yeah, I was kind of like, why didn't Tim Burton direct this movie? You know, yeah. I feel like he could have gone deeper with the because, like I said, there's like these few like stunts, special effects, uh, but the movie just has hints at like there being like a not hints at, but like reveals like a larger society of people who are immortal. Um, but it, I feel like it never fully leans into like teasing that kind of world or I just think that in a director like 90s Tim Burton's hands Mm -hmm. he would have like done a really good job kind of Mm -hmm. making the the world that they live in more fully realized or Mm -hmm. like more of a spectacle that being said I feel like give Isabella Rossellini her own movie yeah seriously character yeah (laughs) it was so cool yeah she is so beautiful like Uh she first of all I was like Mackenzie's gotta cut her hair that length again (laughs) I know. Well, I thought that too. I was like, "Dang, I could be her." <laughs> you because I'm as beautiful. No, just kidding. Yes, you are. She wears her first scene. We see her, and she's like in this sarong and this necklace that covers her boobs, and it is like, wow. I know that's uh, my favorite costume. It's like hers. a jeweled, glittery necklace. My favorite was she gets out of the pool and is like intimidating Bruce Willis with her naked body, which I, I did really like. <laughs> yeah. And her her boy toys come over and put this like big white cape dress with a huge collar on her and mm-hmm. you could like see her chest still and mm-hmm. it's just such a power move mm-hmm. um it's a great example of like women using clothes to be uh intimidating Ooh, or yeah. project dominance mm-hmm. yeah i agree though she yeah, she should have her own like spinoff <laughs> she should have she was uh, way more peddling <laughs> immortality uh drugs yeah <laughs> uh i was also surprised this is a movie that i had never seen before but like was only vaguely familiar with and i was like oh they're like zombies in it they become zombies basically mm-hmm. they can't die yeah well uh, yeah i was sort of confused by that and this movie is like so popular like people love this movie well, yeah well like well known but when you suggested we do both of these two movies actually i was like i've heard their names and i know that people like to talk about them but i cannot picture who's in them I don't really? know anything. I didn't know anything about the plots. I was like, okay, let's do it. Based on the titles alone, I was like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> I tricked you into watching these. <laughs> I mean, I was a little concerned at first. I was like, oh, do these movies have like no real connection, substantive connection at all? But I think they do. And I think yeah. the main one is that they're cult classics mm-hmm. that are kind of having like a revival right now of interest mm-hmm. um, with strong like actresses' performances and also that they deal with like women being um the complicated relationships between like women competitors and beauty like mm-hmm. uh you know like kind of questing after beauty or success um yeah so speak to each and other I, th- I think like death becomes her had a lot of like n- good notes that i enjoyed like mm-hmm. when basically when helen and I love also that their nicknames are Helen Mad. I just thought that was oh very true, cool. Oh, you're you're better at catching stuff than I am. <laughs> no, but um, I like when they like fight and then they make up. I liked that, and I like that they're stuck with each other. But I thought that, and I like sort of how they like ganged up on Bruce Willis's character because he was such a shul- like schlub. They didn't need him. Yeah. But at the end, it's like the movie made it out like so they did need him. And at the end, we read this review that was like, oh, it was about analyzing Ernest Menville, uh, Bruce Willis's character. And it was saying that, like, in the end, he loses because they are the ones that survive and he's actually ends up dead, even though he lives this long life and everything. But I think, and that, so that he came out on the bottom is what this review said in vanity. No, I don't know. Oh yeah. No. On tour.com. Tour.com. Yeah. On tour.com by Sarah Gailey. Um, but that is not how I read the end of the movie. Not at all. And I, I th- don't think it was so... I think her reading of it was just wrong. Way off. Way yeah. off, right? Because it paints Bruce Willis's character as this guy who's, like, lived this long, fulfilled life, and his family loves him, and he'll live on through his, like, grandchildren's memories of him, and he, like, climbed Mount Everest. I don't know if he actually did that, but there was, like, a picture of him climbing a mountain or something. But... And then it shows... 
uh, mad in hell in the back of the church at the funeral, and they're just being like catty and vain to each other, and then they like fall down the steps and their bodies crumble apart. And yeah, like they definitely lose. He gets yeah. to make this valiant choice of being like, no, I don't want to be immortal, and like survives a terrible fall and like has a better life without them, which is I hate that. Yeah, like I just wanted them to. I like that they ended up together because yeah, same. I, I felt that their struggle with each other was never about him at all or really yeah. about any man. It was just like a power struggle. It kind of reminded me of the song Jolene by Dolly Parton. Mm. You know, like it's not about jo- her her man. It's about Jolene. Yeah. You know, <laughs> being able to steal her man. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then like, yeah, Bruce Willis like definitely wins in the end. He gets his yeah long, happy life. Yeah. Apparently there was a subplot where he falls in love with a bartender that was cut. So it's just like these stupid, vain women who've ruined themselves in mm-hmm. this quest for beauty. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just kind of like that fell flat for me. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know. It was never, it wasn't funny enough to justify uh, to me, at least the women being so f- one dimensional. If it was really funny, I would have not cared. Yeah. No, I agree. And if it maybe had like a different ending where even even if they did end up like zombies together if they weren't like still bitter about if they didn't have the the scene with Bruce Willis's funeral if Bruce Willis actually like died when he mm-hmm. fell from Isabel Rossellini's castle which she does have a castle and it's super cool um yeah. i would have liked the ending more like even if they were zombies and mm-hmm. they were still like bitter with each other if they if it didn't like rub it in our face that Bruce Willis was happy, I'd be like, okay, well, you know, zombies what made a together. good ending, like a good simple change. If mm-hmm. we had seen them and they looked just, they had just totally leaned into it and looked like looked like terrible zombies. Yeah, but we saw cool. them like saying like, oh, you look so good, you know, like like adjusting oh each other, like being sweet to each other, like fixing like a droopy eye or something, yeah, and being or, like, like, you, like look, a, you look amazing. Yeah. Oh my god. Can you like, imagine? Still, still played for laughs because they're terrible decaying zombie bodies, like, but like. Um, the bat and uh what's his name in anastasia <laughs> oh i was like you know the bat. are you about to hint at our next movie <laughs> oh ooh, good tie-in but um no but the the uh bat in anastasia where the guy is like what's his name rescue oh, yeah it's like falling apart and the bat's like sir you lost a finger like i'm in for like that energy <laughs> oh f yeah between these women yeah, and I i mean, like, I think Meryl Streep's great in this movie. Mm-hmm. I've never been a huge Goldie Hawn fan. Mm-hmm. Goldie Hawn fans, please do not attack me. I cannot, I would not be able to withstand any sort of criticism about this. Uh, me? I love, I actually do really like Bruce Willis and stuff. Uh, and yeah. we read that, this is a piece of trivia, they, the movie was unnamed when they were, untitled when they were making it, and Bruce Willis <laughs> suggested these two names, it's Death Baby and Her Man Death, which, like, neither of us make any sense, really, because they don't die, and... <laughs> well, they did, well, their bodies die, I guess. Their bot- it's just, like... But, I, honestly, it's Death Baby should be, like, the name of a band or like a podcast Ooh, or something it's death baby yeah it's that's death baby good. sounds like a fallout boy song it does sound like a fallout boy song that's so funny well it has to be like eight words longer to be a fallout yeah. boy song <laughs> Ooh, fallout boy fans don't contact me <laughs> wait but do contact us wait, yes if you're listening you know what's sad every once in a while i follow some younger people in their early 20s and I see them tweeting about Panic at the Disco and Fall Out Boy. And I'm like, oh, no. I was 13 when I was into those bands, which means you were, like, during their prime, you were, like, eight, and you still like them. And I just want better for you and your life. <laughs> yeah. They're, those are the types of bands that, like, people just grab grab onto and then, like, never grow out of them. Yeah. And then it defines their music taste for the rest of their lives. For sure. <sighs> Glad we dodged that bullet and we have... Glad we varied. only have great taste yeah. and never like anything bad. <laughs> Even the shitty stuff we like is empirically good because we like it. Like, <laughs> lots of stuff. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, okay. Mackenzie, I feel like I 
picked these two movies and made us watch them, and now we're like, oh, okay, they were fine. No, it's fun to talk about movies that like we don't really like that much because that's true. Then we could just Fuck these movies roast them. <laughs> yeah, Mackenzie, what's your aging philosophy? Um, so I work in the medical aesthetic industry, so. <laughs> Mackenzie actually puts oh my god here's a connection we haven't talked about Kristen Stewart Kristen Dunst puts makeup on dead bodies and oh Bruce Willis does the same thing wow you're right sorry go on and that's what Mackenzie does that's what she means no <laughs> just kidding but um anyway I think any everyone should age however they want to age and not let it be influenced by outside opinions and not be pressured into spending a billion dollars on stuff if they don't want to Mm-hmm. Our, our uh, standard of beauty should be more varied. I agree. And there's this great, again, just to remind the audience, I read. There's this great a quote by Susan Sontag uh, where she talks about how men have are allowed to have, like, two types of beauty. The beauty of a young boy and the beauty of an older man. Like, mm-hmm. where the a boy's young beauty is almost, like, girlish, angelic, mm-hmm. like, cleared skin, mm-hmm. young-looking. Like, let's say a Timothee Chalamet. And then they get to age into <laughs> a Richard Clooney Gere. or Richard Gere with crags in their face, gray hair, lines, wrinkles. And like women only have one type of beauty, and that's the beauty of a young girl. So I just wish that we had this broader, like exactly like you're, like you're saying, like a broader spectrum of what is beautiful for a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, because it ends up being age. very, our standard now ends up meaning that only rich people are considered beautiful because only rich people can afford $1,000 for Botox every year or whatever. That's so fucking true. And it sucks. Uh, it sucks a lot. Like it's like when JLo just turned 50 and everyone's like JLo looks amazing mm-hmm. and it's like yeah JLo's job is to look amazing like JLo is full time mm-hmm. JLo she mm-hmm. has like two personal trainers she doesn't mm-hmm. eat like anything that I eat <laughs> she <laughs> doesn't drink or have caffeine yeah. she has probably like blood injected to her face from poor people like she <laughs> no <laughs> it's impossible to compare us you know about those procedures at your work yeah uh and that's the thing too, where it's like Alicia Keys stopped wearing makeup, and I'm like, okay, but how many, how much money do you spend on like your monthly microneedling and hydrofacials, Alicia I know, Keys? I probably a shit ton. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, I'm. I agree with you. What's your beauty routine, Bridget? What do you do now? Uh, I actually just started using a retinol. Uh, my coworker had a drunk elephant retinol that she used once and she was like, I don't like it. So it's like and she gave it to you? Retinol. She gave it to me. <gasps> yes, she gave it to me. Um, oh my God. So I've been using it and I can't really tell if it's making a difference yet, but uh, here's something else that's like annoying. I feel like I am really into my skin and I try to take really good care of it and I have like a pretty extensive skincare routine, but mm-hmm. I feel like the number one thing that makes my skin nice is my birth control. And it's like important to be honest about that too. You know, yeah. like when people compliment my mm-hmm. skin and yes, they do. Um, I'm like, yeah, it's probably cause I'm on birth control. Like mostly yeah. because of that. It's not cause of anything else I'm doing to it. Yeah. I was on birth control, mm-hmm. like the pill. And then I got an IUD and my skin is like exponentially worse since I got off birth control, mm-hmm. the pill, like mm-hmm. the pill and got an IUD. So that sucks. But I recently <laughs> signed up for Curology. So am I being scammed? Who knows? Can they sponsor us? We'll see. Yeah. At, I'll, I'll add them in yeah. a post. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your, what is the thing that you do for your skincare routine that you think that works the most? I wear sunscreen every day. Mm, I wear no matter what. I do too. Yeah. Uh, but I think that I also wash my face every night. Like, I never, ever, ever go to sleep with makeup on, ever. I have never in my whole life. Yeah, never. Like, me neither. Never. I have been, like, stumbling down drunk. And yeah. I'm like, gotta, gotta wash my face. Me too, yeah. Um, but I think that retinol, you should get, like, a prescription for it and then use, use it. Me? <laughs> Just, like, anyone that wants to not... That's honestly the best thing that you can do. Yeah. Just get a prescription retinol and then go to GoodRx or whatever and get a coupon for it. And it'll be like 80 bucks. Oh, shit. Well, also, apparently so vitamin expensive. A is good for you, according to people. 
I don't even know what it does. I just, just know that I... And honestly, if I was rich, I'd get lasers. Lasers on my face, like, twice a year. Seasonally. Get Seasonal razors. Lasers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm not, so... Not until Curology sponsors us. <laughs> All right, Mackenzie, what are your final thoughts and rating for Death Becomes Her? Um, I, you know, was disappointed by a lot of the, uh, my, my modern eyes couldn't see past a lot of the, um, like, hated the fat joke hated the ending with the there's a fall boy title my modern eyes <laughs> couldn't see past the fat joke. it's death baby my modern eyes <laughs> no. uh, but you know i'll rate it a five though just because of the sets and costumes Mackenzie, i'm gonna meet you there at five so we can end this episode in harmony together wow oh look at it <laughs> Look at us. Uh, We're friends. We are friends. Okay, here's a great one-star review for Death Becomes Her that we forgot. So pretend we didn't rate it. People who want to find a good comedy should check out Senior Trip, Dude, Where's My Car, Dumb and Dumber, Man on the Moon, Liar Liar, Austin Powers, and Tommy Boy. Uh, Who wrote that? I don't know. A boy. Ah! A teen boy. Perhaps. God, or... I hate that. I hate. I also hate. I'm. I'm such a serious person. I hate all that type of humor. <laughs> there was a show recently. <laughs> Have you ever seen Doom Patrol? A show. Um, uh, is that about metal? No, it's about. Um, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> it's about. It's about superheroes, like emo superheroes. Which, like, no, Jesus I... Christ, do we need another show about like? Edgy oh, God. I hate it. I hate it. I hate them. But Paul we have a friend. Jesus Christ, we need another show about superheroes. <laughs> Fun. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's going to be a running joke that we yeah. just keep bringing. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but at the end of the. I, I hated it from the beginning, but at the very end of the first episode, they show like a donkey farting. And I was like, I fucking hate this. I just hate. I hate. <laughs> Fart humor. I hate Austin Power humor. I hate it. Okay, I love Austin Powers. I would not stand by any of those jokes. I don't think it's probably still good, but it has a place in my heart. Oh, okay. This, this rough and tumble. Okay, let's end this thing before okay. we start getting into more controversial opinions. <laughs> like anti-fart jokes. <laughs> Um, it would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. Our next episode will air on August 19th and we will be discussing Fern Gully and Princess Mononoke. Wowee. Excited for that. What a combo. ChickFlix is researched and written by Bridget Hobel. That's her and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. That's me. Many thanks to Tim Creep Carlson for our music. Thanks for listening to Chick Flicks. Bye! Bye.